So Acts, the second chapter, if you would, let's all stand as we honor God's word by standing. Acts, the second chapter. And I'm going to begin reading in the 14th verse. I want you to listen as we read. I'm going to read through the 36th verse. And here, I guess the first few words here are the important (laughs) words. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, as, as all of you know, the, 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 the apostles represented the church. And Peter stood up among the eleven, that was the church, and lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea, this is the crowd that had gathered, you men of Judea, And, and, and I'm sorry. And ye, the men of Judea, and all ye that dwell in Jerusalem, be this known unto you, and hearken to my words. For these are not drunken, as ye suppose, seeing it is, it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. This shall come to pass in the last days, said God saith God, this is Joel's prophecy, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams. And on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days my spirit, That happened on the day of Pentecost. And they shall prophesy. That's exactly, that word prophesy can also be preaching. And I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the, in, in, in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before that great and Notable day of the Lord come. This shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. You men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man approved of God among you by miracles and wonders and signs, which God did by him in the midst of you, as ye yourselves also know. Him being delivered by determining counsel and for knowledge of God ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on the right hand that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou wilt not leave my soul in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me freely speak unto you of the patriarch of David, that he is both dead and buried, 
and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet and, and knowing that God had sworn with, with, with an oath to him that of the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. He seen this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, and his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath, hath God raised up whereof we all are witnesses. Therefore, seeing by the right hand of God, therefore, being by the right hand of God exalted, and having received of the Father the promise of the Holy Ghost, he has shed forth this, which ye now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens, but he saith himself, The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou on my right hand, until I make thy foes thy footstool. Therefore let all the house of Israel know, surely, that God had made that same Jesus, whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you again for this day. Thank you for the blessings of it. Thank you, Lord, for everything. Thank you for taking care of us. Thank you, Lord, for the reading of your word. Thank you, Lord, for the news that we heard. And we just, uh, we're just so thankful, Lord, that, uh, you do, uh, uh, you work differently with people. And Lord, we, uh, we understand that and we know that. And sometimes I don't think folks realize that I understand that, but I do. And Lord, I just pray in all things that you might go with and take care of us. For it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you. you. May be seated. I've I've taken this message now. How many of you? And I'm just I'm serious about this. You don't have to. You know, I don't want you to answer me. I don't don't want you to answer me now or later on either. Um. But how many of you would have enjoyed that message Peter preached? I mean, I'm talking about if if somebody just stood up in Landmark Baptist Church like Peter did and and bring a message like Peter brought, how many people would have enjoyed it? Well, first of all, I doubt if most people would have known what he was talking about. Would have even understood what he's talking about. He was talking to a, he was talking to a generation of people there that lived during the time of the death of Christ, lived during the time of the of the Pentecost, and and the church being uh, being uh, filled with the Holy Spirit, and the ch- and the church having its having its uh, uh, authority given as far as the church is concerned. But you know what's happened today? There'll never be another message preached like that today. There'll never be another message like Peter preached. And I'm going to tell you why. It's because the church is a non-essential thing today in the world. It means absolutely nothing. It means absolutely nothing to, to the world. I don't care what kind of church it is. I had a fellow said, tell me one day, he said... Do you know how many churches there are in Tombs County? I said, no, I've never gone around and counted them. 
He said there's 141 churches in Tombs County. Now, he said, what, what do you expect? He said, you expect people to listen to you when there's 141, 140 more out there? A lot, a lot of them are different than you are. Do you expect people to listen to you? You know, sometimes I don't. And sometimes I do. But when you talk about a witnessing church, what, 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 what is a witnessing church today? Is that an Armenian church? Is that a Sovereign Grace Landmark Missionary Baptist Church? Is that those religious organizations that's not even a church? When we, when we talk about a witnessing church, what is a witnessing church? Well, this was a witnessing church. That's an example of a witnessing church right there. When Peter felt led of the Lord, now Peter was an apostle, he was a preacher also, just like all the apostles were, they were all preachers. They all had preached, but Peter chose on his own to stand up and, and address that crowd that was out there on that day, address that crowd out there, and if you go if you go ahead and read this, read on down to the end of it, you will find that when what Peter got finished, the Bible says, and those Jews were pricked in their hearts. When Peter told them, Peter told them plainly, he said, "You have taken, and I'm I'm just paraphrasing this. You have taken the Lord of Glory, and you have killed him." And people were pricked in their hearts concerning that. All because Peter stood up that day and testified. That was a testimony. That wasn't a message. That was a testimony. Peter stood up and testified that day. Now I'm going to tell you why he stood up and testified in a minute. Now I want you to note in verse 32 of the text, it says... Then this Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we all are witnesses. Jesus said, he said, every one of you were living during a time when all that commotion happened, when they hanged the Lord of glory on that tree. And he said, all of you are witnesses of this. But uh, he's the only one that stood up and acknowledged it as being, as being, uh, uh, that's exactly, and, and you notice one thing Peter did. Peter went back and he told a prophecy that this day would happen. Prophecy that this day would happen. That that day was, was going to happen. Now, the, 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 the least importance or the unimportance of a church in this day and time that has been, has been scattered around 
Evidently, the church has lost it all. They don't have that importance anymore. When you find out why Peter stood up and said this, you're going to understand what I'm saying, what I'm saying today. A church that is quickened to the truth of the gospel will certainly spread the truth that Jesus is is to have the preeminence in their life. Any preacher that preaches will say that too, if, if he's if he's if he's worth his salt in his diet. He'll say this too. It was Jesus who said, "When he, the Spirit of Truth, is come, he shall glorify me." John sixteen verses thirteen and fourteen. He shall glorify me. What, what, what is the Holy Spirit doing today? We are, we are to glorify Christ and what Christ has done for us. You know, I'm, I'm thankful that there are those who I, I read sometimes their devotions. I, I read Kara's devotion every day that she puts one on there when I, when I can find it. But, um, she acknowledges in those devotions that everything that happened, Jesus did it. He was present with all of it. A church or an individual which is not glorifying Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, crucified and as crucified and the risen Son of God, is not filled with the Spirit. A person who won't recognize that, who won't recognize Jesus Christ dying for them and dying for their sins. Oh, it's easy. It's easy to say he died for me. That's easy. That's the easiest thing in the world I say. Somebody, someone said one time, said, well, preaching, there, there's no, there's no problem. There, there's no, uh, work at preaching. You're right. It's not. There's, there's no work at preaching. If that's all I had to do as a pastor, then that would be wonderful. There, there's, no, there's no labor at preaching. I can stand up here and say, he died for me. But wh- what does that mean to you, that he died for me? It means a lot to me. But what does that mean to you? And Peter is telling them the things they saw that day, that day of Pentecost, the things they saw. He said these things were prophesied by Joel in the Old Testament. And you go back and read Joel, he said the very same words. Some of the same words Peter said here. Prophecy was prophesied of. One can rest assured that the Holy Spirit will not give another glory. If the Holy Spirit is leading you, He's not going to give anybody, He's not going to give anybody else glory. He's not going to tell you, well, it's okay for you to go do this, okay for you to go do that. He's not going to do that. He's going to lead you, the Holy Spirit is going to lead you right back. To what Kara writes about almost every day, the Holy Spirit 
is going to lead you right back to the fact that Jesus is the glory that's behind everything. The Spirit will not lead anyone any, anywhere else but to Christ. But it was that radical Peter who said this. Radical Peter, who one that pulled his sword out and swung at Malchus's head and cut his ear off. That Peter that decided one day that he was just going to deny the Lord. And go and, and warm by the devil's fire. That Peter, the, the very same Peter, you know, you'll say, well, I'm not, I'm not qualified to do anything like that. But Peter wasn't either. Why would he qualify to do something like that? Well, he denied the Lord three times when he was asked. Not, not one time. It wasn't a mistake. Three times he was asked. Was that not you out with him? No, it's not me wasn't me. I haven't been with him. And that was before the cock crowed. I heard a preacher preach one time that said the cock crowed three times. It didn't say that. Peter, Peter denied the Lord three times and then the cock crowed. Well, let me tell you, folks, that was also prophesied that that would happen. What about today? Why can't we see today that the, some of the things that we do today has already been prophesied that we're going to do them? But yet I don't see people who are willing to stand up like Peter did and testify. We're going to talk about this more. I don't want to get into the last part of my message or, or the middle of my message now. How many today are fit to stand right here in this sanctuary and testify the saving grace of the great God of heaven? Well, let me answer that. Let me answer this. The ladies cannot because they're restricted. But there is very few saved men I mean, I'm sorry, let me say this. There's not a saved man here who cannot. But I've learned that people will not. You know, one time years ago, it didn't have anything to do with the church. One time years ago, I was called on to to pray at a at a dinner that IBM was having, and they called on me to 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 bless the food. and And the person that called on me, he said, uh, "If you would just silently do it," he says, "I think that'd be okay." I mean, he let me know. He said, "He said I want you." He said, "I want you to bless the food," but he said, "I want you to do it silently." Well, you know what I did. 
I stood it up and I, I said it as loud as I could say it. And that three or four of them there at that dinner said, Amen. You know, it's today we're ashamed of what the Lord did for us. We're ashamed of what He did for us. And the reason we're ashamed is because we're around people all the time that makes us ashamed. I, I guess I might as well tell this. I got into it with somebody yesterday who called every person in this building liars. And I told him, I went like this. I said, don't you do nothing like that. Don't you ever say nothing like that again. He said, well, you wouldn't hit me with it. I said, don't you ever say nothing like that again. I said, I might be 75 years old, but I said, don't you ever say nothing like that again. He said, you're over preaching to a bunch of liars. That's just yesterday. People need people need to know that stuff like that's not true. People need to know that stuff like that should not be tolerated. Somebody's got to stand up and say, you're wrong, and I did. But he was telling somebody else the same thing. He wasn't telling me, he was telling somebody else. Now, if we're to understand Peter the one mouthpiece of the Lord's church, we must see that he explained why his brethren acted as they did. That's the reason he stood up. You know what people thought? You know what people thought? People thought they was all drunk. People thought all of them had been, all of them been drinking. They was all drunk. And Peter stood up and Peter's. I want to let you know they're only doing what was prophesied in the Old Testament for them to do. He said, these men are not drunk as ye supposed. Verse 15 of our text. We know that when the Spirit came upon the church, there was a marked difference among the brethren as to their zeal for the Lord. Example, and I'm going to give you an example of what I'm talking about. If every man in this building today, or any, any time, if any, if every man in this building was to say amen, every woman was sitting in this building doing like this. Stephanie does that. I watch her. I, I can see that far, barely can, but I can see it. Every woman, every man, every woman in here was doing this. Every man was saying amen. And then Brother Sam stands up. And Brother Sam, Brother Sam knows that we're not accustomed to doing that here. Brother Sam would stand up and he would say, I want y'all to understand these people are not all of a sudden crazy. That's what Peter did. Peter stood up and explained why 
these people were acting the way they were acting in the first church. Why did they act the way they were acting? Well, Peter Peter says that they were spiritually filled. When the Holy Spirit came down and and lit up on the the dove, lit up on the Lord sent a dove as as a representative, and, and the Holy Spirit came down, and and a great mighty rushing wind came over, and then flames of fire came came upon the shoulders of every member. Boy, it's time to get excited when that happens. It's time to get excited when something like that happens. Those people got excited. Praise God. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. And Peter all stood up and said, I know some of you think they're crazy. Some of you think they're drunk, but they're not. He said, they're not drunk. He said, I'm going to tell you why they're doing this. Why they're doing what they're doing. And he goes and tells how Joel prophesied of this day. I want to ask you a question right now. Do you think it's ever been prophesied that a church like ours would do something like that? Uh, well, I just said, every man in here yelling amen. Every man yelling praise the Lord, amen. Women sitting in here agreeing with all of it. Is that prophesied for us to do that today? No, it's not. But it's preached. It's preached that we should we should be that excited about being in the Lord's house. How many people are excited being in the Lord's house today? Well, you're looking at them. You see them. You're seeing them. Those on the day of Pentecost were not intoxicated with wine of this world, but with the wine of the spiritual fullness of the Holy Spirit. That's what they were doing. That's re- that's the reason. That's the reason they were that they they were speaking as they spoke. That's the reason they were uh, Amen and Hallelujah and, and and all these things they did. And some of you might say, "Well, did the women, did the women uh, shout hallelujah?" I, I believe they did. I believe they did in those days, because this this was before Paul ever wrote about the restrictions on women. How do I know that? Well, I, did I not read to you? Joel said, "Both your sons and your daughters." To prophesy. That's prophecy that we ought to look to every day in our life and realize that, you know, I had a person one time I preached messages like this and they said, well, we're not like the church that was in the Bible. We are too. Look out. They were not crazy, but spiritually lifted up. Those on the day of Pentecost were not intoxicated with wine, but 
they were filled with the wine of the spiritual fullness. Why do we stress this? For the natural man cannot get the fullness of the Spirit, for he is spiritually empty. Those that Peter was speaking to out there, they were spiritually empty. They knew absolutely nothing about the Holy Spirit. They knew absolutely nothing about Christ. They just know what happened. That they, they were probably of some of that group that cried out, crucify him, crucify him. They did not understand a thing. But after Peter got done, there were some of them, the Bible says, down in the 30, I believe it's the 37th verse. Let me see. Yeah, the 37th verse says, Now when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, that is the church, men and brethren, what shall we do? They were convicted of that. You know, if you don't get excited about your salvation, then no one else is going to get excited about salvation either. If you don't get excited about it, what is salvation? Just come and sit in church and when you want to, or go somewhere else if you want to go? You get excited about your salvation. You get excited about what the Lord has done for you. It's like Winston said in a devotion one time a few a couple three years ago. Winston said, Well, everybody knows when Brother Paul was saved, and he even quoted him, March twenty seventh, nineteen hundred sixty seven. Well, Brother Paul has Brother Paul has heralded that day now for fifty some years, over fifty years. That day when the Lord saved him. He's heralded that day. Now, if we're to understand Peter and the one mouthpiece of the Lord's church, we must see that he explained why this all happened. And I've already mentioned that. He said, to the fullness, to the fulfilling of prophecy. This is why it happened. He says the reason it happened... He said the reason they acted the way they did and the reason all this happened is to the fulfillment of prophecy. In other words, it was ordained that this excitement would take place. Does that mean that prophecy was only for that day and would never happen again? I think not. I know. I have seen the moving of the Holy Spirit, even in my day. I've seen it. I've seen the moving of the Holy Spirit get a hold of a church, and that church went crazy toward witnessing. I saw that. I saw the day when Calvary Baptist, we had about 20 people 20 members that time. And I saw the day when women started getting together and going out and witnessing. Lord preached, a, a, led me to preach a spirit-filled message. And the women started going out and witnessing. The men started going out and witnessing. 
They would go two by two. They'd go to the hospital. They'd go door to door. They'd go everywhere to the hospital. Let me tell you, folks, it wasn't long until we were running 50-some people. They brought people in. Lord, save people. They rejoiced in the Lord. Yes, that day can happen again. That day can happen right here at Landmark Baptist Church again. You know, when he talk, he made a statement here. Lord, Lord doesn't put a statement in here. It doesn't mean something. He made a statement here that the late, the, the sometimes the later wine, the 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 good, the better wine is brought out later. You know what he's talking about there? He, he said the same thing. said the same thing at the marriage feast of Cana. You know, you know, you know what the better wine is? That's me and you, us. What did Jesus tell his disciples? He said, told the church, he said, you're going to do greater works than I did. That's prophecy. You're going to do greater works than I did. Well, what's wrong with the church today? What's wrong with the Lord's church today? Do, do we have to go to methods? Do we have to go to means like some of them are doing? Do we have to start giving away things? Do we have to start uh, doing things, you know, having $5 under every seat and tell people that we come to church Sunday, we're going to have $5 under every seat. That church did that in Kentucky. They had a packed, they had a packed house. Everybody came in and, uh, and they reached under the seat and they got their five dollar bill. What about the giveaways? There's a track out called, called Guitars, Giveaways, and Gum. But that happened, that happened before some of you was ever married. That happened in the late sixties. So they, they, some had prospered on that excitement, but they did it the wrong way. Peter stood up in all the truthfulness that any person could do, and he said, this is why they're acting like that. Not one time in here did Peter ever tell them, you know, it's time for you it's time for you now to be saved. He didn't tell them that. But when he preached, when he brought that message he brought, they were pricked in their heart and they wanted to be saved. Between this promise made to Joel and that day of Pentecost, there lay 24 generations. From the time Joel prophesied of this until this day in Pentecost, there were 24 generations that lived upon the earth. 24 generations. And all of a sudden, boom, it broke loose. That's what happens when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of a church. 
That's what happens. That's, that's how you have a witnessing church when the Holy Spirit gets a hold of that church. Not the pastor, but the church. The pastor does what he has to do. He Not only does he preach, but he has to teach. He has to exhort. He has to correct. has to do all these things. But we're talking about the church, you know. A pastor may be just as excited as ever, but if the church is not excited, it's not going anywhere. I like what Winston did one time. Stephanie said, what did Winston do? Winston asked a preacher one time, says, has anybody been saved under your ministry? No. What? Winston said, what? Did you mean you're a preacher and nobody's been saved under your ministry? Winston knows what I'm talking about. I like Winston asking those questions. I was there when he was asking those questions. How many, how many, how many generations must pass until it comes to this day? Or how many generations have passed? All I can say is the Spirit has been given, but it appears that all flesh has not yet been touched by Him. That's what it appears. Instead of people setting up at McDonald's and telling everybody, well, he's preached, he pastors a cult down there, and they all, every one of them is a liar, they lie, every one of them lies every day. No. Peter stood up and said, no. That's not true. Here lies the problem. We need to be on our hands and knees praying that the Spirit will fall upon this generation of Christians. We need to pray about that. We need to be praying about that. And I'm going to ask you to take that empty chair that we've set up there. We set it up there, and Brother Robbie asked us, I'm going to tell you, you add, you add this to that empty chair too. When we pray that the Holy Spirit will get a hold of us, that we will want to go out, we'll want to tell people what happened to us. The testimony of the Lord's church is very weak today. And there are those out there who are weakening it even more, weakening it even more. But it lies at the feet of the members of her. May God have mercy upon this modern day church. And may, and may she get excited about, as those folks did on the day of Pentecost. Let's all stand, if you would. Let's be dismissed.